questions about the day of the Lord, about the day of the return of Jesus, the day which in its full consummation is the day when this present evil age comes to an end and the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. You you know the rest of the Hallelujah Chorus, maybe not, but there you go. Because there is a sense in which the message of the day of the Lord is devastating bad news. Let's pick it up in verses 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, about time and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul starts with something that isn't controversial for them. This is something that was part of Jesus' teaching. That's where Paul's got it from. This is an image Jesus used, that the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. And like a thief, they don't put an entry in your diary. Nobody says rings you up, leaves a message on your phone, just saying, three nights' time, I'm going to come break into your house. Is that okay? Just, just wanted to make sure you know and that you're uncomfortable with that. You don't find out. It comes and you have to deal with it. And in this sudden coming, in this thing that is, uh, that is coming like a thief in the night, Paul says uh, people will be saying peace and safety. And destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. I heard the story of one person who remained nameless, but they were having the fourth of their six children, and I was present. It's a good thing I'm keeping an anonymous, aren't I, isn't it? who at a certain point said, can I go home and we do this tomorrow? (laughs) To which the answer was no. (laughs) If you want this baby, it's coming now. And that's Paul's point. You can't just sort of say, oh, let's leave it for next year. There is an inevitability. There is a certainty. This coming of Jesus, he won't be... it's not going to be expected in the sense of we'll all have it in our diaries waiting for the date, no matter how many times some person's got up on television and told you that they know exactly the time and the date. But unexpected in that sense doesn't mean uncertain that it's actually going to happen. Jesus is coming. It is inevitable. As inevitable as can be. And one of our problems in this world is people seem to think that it's not going to bother them if they don't believe it. It's not going to trouble them if they deny its reality. I want to tell you a story. It may be a familiar story. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Of a ship that everyone said was unsinkable. Did that belief stop it from sinking? Did the belief that you were on the unsinkable ship make the ship unsinkable? 
Or did it actually not matter two hoots when the ship struck the iceberg? It went down. Friends, not believing in it doesn't help. There is an inevitability to the return of Jesus. He's coming. And you can deny it all you like. It is just empty denial. In a sense, that's the bad news for our world. Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. The rage, present evil age is going to come to an end. The rage and rebellion against God is going to come to an end. The judgment of God that comes with it is coming. It is inevitable. Even as it is something that is unknown for the timing for us. But Paul isn't writing to the Thessalonians with bad news. He's not writing to trouble them. He's actually writing to do the exact opposite. He's writing with good news. Verse 4, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. This idea of light and dark is a, is a popular metaphor. Jesus uses it himself. A number of the New Testament writers use it of those who are in the dark, both in the sense of ignorant. We use that, don't we? I'm in the dark about that one. The picture of ignorance, but also the picture of evil versus being in the light. So in the beginning of John's Gospel, Jesus is the true light that comes into the world, that gives light to all people. People who are living in darkness. In the book of Isaiah, the promise that we, remit, that we repeat at Christmas time as we reread those, pro those words from Isaiah, the people dwelling, living in darkness have seen a great light. Here it's the division that is put, and the Thessalonians are reminded that this is not a thing of fear for them because the division of humanity that counts is, is actually already happened. In Jesus Christ, you who belong to him belong to the day. He is the light. If you belong to him, you belong to the light. Done. You're children of the light, children of the day. You do not belong to the darkness. You are not going to approach the day of the Lord with fear. That's why it's so stuck by you. Very different. Everything's changed. And look at the issue in here. Paul wants to talk not about what they do, but you have done this and that and the other. It's actually about what they are. You are not in darkness. You are children of God. You, you do not belong. It's all about who they are, who they belong to. It's about their identity. Identity 
that comes from Jesus Christ. Identity that belongs to the day and not to the night. Identity that means that the day of the Lord is a day of rejoicing and not a day of dread. That the return of Jesus is something we long for, yearn for. Pick it up in the last verses of the passage, some of the last verses we read, 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. You know what's wonderful about this? The active party in this word, in this, in these verses, is God. It is God's work, not mine, not yours. What gives you confidence on the day of Jesus' return is not your set of achievements. And, what, and that means that your, whatever list of failures you might want to bring to the table, they don't belong there. Your activities are irrelevant. His are everything. God appointed us to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who called us so that we belong to him. He has done everything. I was listening to the, that last question and I thought, actually, I, I, I could probably argue A the day I was born, over the day I chose to follow Jesus. Because I never, in, in a sense, I, my choice to follow Jesus was a pretty minor thing. God did all that work. So I can't really claim that much significance in my decision to follow Jesus. A good God took hold of me, lavished his grace upon me, gave me everything, and because he has given me everything, because he has appointed me not to suffer but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord is not something I ever am going to dread. So that whether awake or asleep, remember the argument from last week, what happens to those who've fallen asleep, as in died in Jesus Christ, and those who are still awake, that is still alive when Jesus returns? The waking-sleeping metaphor is used for being alive or being deceased. It doesn't matter. If God has appointed you not to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, you're secure. Not because of what you've achieved, but because of what he has. All locked tight, vault secured. It's a wonderful picture. Too many Christians dread. I can still remember uh, one service I was uh, in church uh, when I was a teenager, and uh, the minister was talking about the return of Jesus. 
some of them I want to do. You know, what would you do if Jesus returned right now? And timing being what timing sometimes humorously is, the whole PA system decided to feed back massively right on that point. Everything went, what? And all I thought was, not yet! Not yet. I'm not ready. I'm a mess. I know what I'm like. I'm not ready. I'm not confident. I haven't done enough. And the things that I have done, I'm I'm ashamed of. I'm not ready. What the irony was, was Jesus had taken hold of me already. My future with him was already secure. I was his. But I kept trying to take back the responsibility for my standing on that day. Don't take it back. Stupid. You can't do it, and it's just stupid to try. If you belong to Jesus, your future is secure. You can't lose it because you didn't gain it. You didn't do anything to work for it, so you can't work out of it. And Paul's point is that because of that, that changes what we're like now. This is a day that shapes everything in history. So then, says Paul, let us not be like others who are asleep. And now he's not using the the metaphor for being dead or alive, or possibly extending the metaphor of dead and alive. He does get, I I think Paul gets carried away in his metaphors in this because he mixes them up like a frappe in a blender. But, you know, it's very obvious that asleep and awake, the contrast is now between those who live in the, who, who belong to the night and the darkness and those who belong to the day. That's been the context around it. And he says, let's, let's not be like those others, those others who belong to the night, those others who live in ignorance of the light, who live in defiance of the light. those who reject the Lord Jesus, those who will have no part in him, those who have no hope on the day that is to come. But rather, there is a response to belonging to the day. Be awake. Be sober. He unpacks that word. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Unless you're at a certain age, in which case you sleep for a little bit of the night and then a whole chunk of the day. Um, And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Since we belong to that day, the day of the return of Jesus, the day of the Lord, the day of the glorious fullness of the kingdom of God ushered in so that the present evil age is no more, that is not a day of dread for us. That is a day of glory. And that's a day that in Jesus Christ, we belong to that day. 
That day is everything. The day when sin is no more. No more a part of my experience, your experience. The day is coming when that's going to be true. The day when evil is no more. When there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things have passed away. The day when everything changes because of Jesus who has captured us, rescued us, given us this glorious hope. We belong to that day. So he says, be sober. Now, I want to talk for a second about the word here, sober. I'm not going to say this doesn't mean what it sounds like. It does. It just doesn't just mean what it sounds like. Paul's contrast here is between the issues of drunkenness, the issues of the one who is, uh, loses self-control, who's can't think clearly, can't see clearly, speak clearly. I remember one time when I was working that wonderful institution called Big W. A group of us went out one night to have a meal together and somebody said, oh, let's go down to... There's a nightclub down the road. We just went down there. They had music on. It was nice. One of the guys was really hitting the booze. And as he staggered out, vomiting everywhere... You could see that contrast. This was not a person who is in control. This is not a person who is being careful. This is a person who has lost the capacity to be those things. So is Paul making a point here about being sober as opposed to being a drunkard? Well, kind of. But much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. It is a metaphor, it's just not just a metaphor. Does that make sense? It is a metaphor for being serious. Being sober is to be serious, to be uh, focused, to be responsible, to be careful. And in that serious, responsible carefulness, what do we do? Well, he describes what it looks like. You actually clothe yourself. Well, it's not you just clothe yourselves, you arm yourselves. The picture here is, is a military one, isn't it? And somebody putting on armour. And you arm yourselves with, well, the great trio, isn't it? Faith, hope and love. We who have been rescued by the Lord Jesus now shape ourselves with the things that belong to him. Putting on faith, trusting in who he is and what he has done. Loving like he loves. And here the very clear focus is on the third. Hope. The hope of salvation, the hope that he's been speaking about, the, the, the hope of the day that is coming when we will stand at a time when no one can stand. 
a time when the Lord Jesus comes in his majesty and his glory. And we can stand because of who he has transformed us to be. That is a hope that guards us for that day. And we clothe ourselves in that. What that means is for us who are day, we try and shape him. We live for that day. We try and shape our life today in response to the day that is certainly coming for us. The day when we rejoice at belonging to Jesus for all eternity. For now, we live the way Jesus has called us to live. We try and live a way that honours Jesus. We try and live as people who are citizens of that day. Instead of living like those who are ignorant of that day. Who reject that day. Who have no place for that Lord Jesus who is inevitably coming. What does it look like for you to live for that day? Not in a way, can I do enough? Because remember, it's all done. But knowing that my future is secure, what does it mean to live today as somebody who belongs to that world where he is all in all? What does it look like for you? How does that shape what you spend your money on? What you spend your time on? How does it shape how you speak? Not just when you're at church, but when you're at work or at the shops. How does that change how you speak when you're on the phone and somebody has rung you? and told you that there's a wonderful opportunity to get solar. You get those phone calls? I'm not trying to sell you anything, but... Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to alert you to a wonderful new opportunity. How do you respond then, as one who belongs to the day? How does it change how you interact. Does it? Has it changed it? Your future is secure. Live with that day in your eyes. But don't just worry about you. We love individualism in the West. We love being solo players. If this is a sport... If life is a sport, we are firm believers that it's golf or something like that. You can play and you can ignore everybody else and just go for your best. That's the way the West works. It's not the way the Bible works. Life is a team sport. And that's why Paul finishes like he does. Don't just worry about you. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Help each other to live for that day. Spur each other on towards that day. Take responsibility for each other. We have a day that is coming 
A day that is glorious. A day when death and mourning and crying and pain and sin and brokenness and evil and yuck is gone. A day when the Lord Jesus, who died for us, who rose, who has done so many glorious things for us, we will see him face to face and we will see him rightly glorified as the Lord of all. And we belong to that day. It is coming. It is inevitable. And in Jesus Christ, we have a seat on that day and it's a glorious seat. Live for that day. Let it shape today. Let that day shape this day. And see how you can encourage your brothers and sisters to do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that in your incredible mercy and love, you have given us security, knowing that the day that is to come when Jesus returns is not a day that we dread, even though we should. Looking at our own lives, we should surely dread it, yet we don't because of Jesus, who has dealt with our sin, who has exchanged our bodies of death for his glorious life, who has exchanged our darkness for his glorious light, so that we belong to that day. Our Lord and God, we thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus. Help us to change how we live in the light of that. Not to just go through the motions of life in the same way that a neighbour who knows nothing of that hope would live. Help it to infect our conversation, our action, our leisure, our work, our priorities, our decisions our spending. May we be people who live for that day, knowing that that day is coming inevitably and on that day we will rise with Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. Because, brothers and sisters, we belong to the day, let us now...